the radar, sir. It appears to be... Jammed! Jammed. Raspberry. Welcome to Back in My Day once again. I'm David Petrangelo. This week, joined by... Michael R. Power. And Ian Walter. And uh, guys, we are joined by another special guest. Our roster just keeps on expanding. Uh, we are this week, luckily, joined by... Luckily, Scott Burnett. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Come on, give yourself a little bit of I credit, have some sir. things to give towards Some things thing. to say? It should be, yeah, it should yeah. be uh, interesting. All right. <laughs> we feel very lucky. Well, thank you. We, we feel lucky... Hopefully you do at least a little <laughs> I, bit. I, I do very know. much. I've wanted to do this a couple times, but uh, work always calls, you know, got to pay the bills. Duty I'm glad calls, to be here. Yeah. yeah, man. Nice. Duty awesome. Calls. Duty calls, <laughs> life calls. Duty. <laughs> duty. Duty. We're all mature here. Uh, all right. So uh, now is the time for uh, the initiation um, and uh, requirement now that you've joined the uh, the podcast. So we yeah, have right your, your defining... TVs, video games, and oh, look at that. My text message went off and it sounded like Mario. How <laughs> Speaking fitting. of which. <laughs> Speaking of which. Let's uh, go. Yeah. Well, so, I guess we can start with games if you sure, want to Sure, let's start, start with, you know what? We'll do it in which, whichever order you want and we'll I just was, go uh, from there. So I'm an 80 baby, meaning I'm older. <laughs> do the math. And um, I was actually brought up initially with a Tandy 1000 system. Put your hand what? if you know what that is. What? Wow. I do know what it is, there we go. I definitely we never one. put my hands Tandy on it. Uh, a Tandy 1000, it was like, you know, the big black screen and the and the big sort of thing that had the giant floppy disk, like the 5-inch floppy disk oh, that you man. put in there. And we had games like the original Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, oh, yes. Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, uh, a, a game called uh, Load Runner, which was this really cool game where you just jump Love around. Love Load Runner. Uh, yeah, see, there you go. Um, but, uh, and, and that sort of... You know, brought up my, my the, the game brought out the gamer in me, I guess you could say, uh, and then my parents obviously got us a, a Nintendo, uh, and I'd say uh, the definitive moment of saying I am a gamer was Mega Man. Ooh, was wow! Mega Man one, two, and three on Nintendo, which. If you've played those, I mean, those are not easy to master. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I don't want to date you, but you were like, I well, don't know, okay. younger than Mega Man, right? <laughs> yeah. So did you, like, did you beat them or did you just uh, play Mega over Man and over? Mega Man 2, I became, Mega Man 2 was one of the hardest. Mega Man 1 was very hard. I don't think I ever mastered it, actually, but Mega Man 2 was very hard and very fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'd have to say Mega Man 3 was my favorite at the time. I'd say going back, 2 is the best one. But Mega Man 3 with Magnet Man and Hard Man and Top Spin and all that were some of my absolute favorite gaming moments back in the day. Yeah, I used to play Mega Man, and, but I know I never, like, I probably, like, I never beat it. I no, never came close. And, and I so don't, difficult. a lot of people have, it is a hard it's so game, difficult. and it's unforgiving. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's so ridiculous. The jumping mechanisms and the gravity in that game just don't, do not work. What's gravity? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I talked about that with Jordan, how hard some of the games were, like, played with yeah. kids. Well, we like, haven't talked that much about Mega Man, but I think no. because, at least for me and Mike, I don't know about, about you, Ian, but for us, it feels like we just, Gave up because it kicked our butt. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree. I mean, yeah. when I played it, I don't remember beating it. So I, I, I definitely played a, a bunch of the different versions and more so on Super NES. Yeah. It's, I played the one I think that had, is it Zero? Or 
At oh wow! X three, so, X two. That's the one I played the most. That might have been the only one that I beat, and I doubt I beat every last boss. I'd I never, I'd never played the GBA games um, while I was a kid. Right. I guess when G, what year did GBA come out? Uh, Maybe 90, late, late nineties, yeah, mid nineties. Yeah. We had, we talked um, about it. I'll just I find didn't it. have it then, and uh, and I when Game I Game Boy Advance. I think ninety nine. When yeah. I started working at this company that I worked for, and I got this little office with my own computer, and I would just goof off all the time. <laughs> I had emulators on there, and I got yes. all the G. I played. Every uh, F zero, uh, F F zero. I had Mega F-Zero Man zero in advance. Zero. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I listened to that. One. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Mega Man did it. Uh, when it comes to modern times, I was a big WoW nerd, like giant WoW nerd. I quit yeah. after playing for seven and a half years straight a couple of years ago because I was addicted. That's commitment, uh, man. It might have ended my last relationship, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I had a lot of fun with that. And of course, with Blizzard, it got me into doing things like uh, Overwatch, which I still play to this day. Yeah, I'm. Sort of a behind the times gamer. I'm never really sort of up to <laughs> up to the current stuff. So right now I'm playing Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, nice! And I yeah. just downloaded Dark Souls Three because I never played a Dark Souls game, and I was always interested. In it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my so my gaming. GBA experience. was uh, 2001. <laughs> oh, G- okay. G- GBA games. I mean, just I don't know. It was quality. Yeah. All yeah, yeah oh, yeah, the yeah. Castlevania series too. Oh, okay. The so G- you're, Castle- you like Castlevania man. on? Yes, I do. <laughs> Castlevania three back in the day, where you could be all three characters. Did you see this TV series, by the way, on Netflix? Uh, Mike's watched yeah, that. So yeah, good. That was great. So that's based on Castlevania three, where you have the the sorceress and uh, Dracula's son, right? In the in yeah. the game, and that's based on three, which is yeah, not easy to play. But those GBA Castlevania games are. Yeah, I think I might have played a couple of them, but I I couldn't tell you which ones they were. Yeah. But yeah, you like the tough ones. Then. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm a glutton for the punishment. T- the tough the 2D side scrollers. <laughs> I think I can see why I started with games. <laughs> start hard. It's impressive. Start a yeah, bit. it's an impressive list. Well, was just because yeah. just, so, I didn't warn you, I don't like to shut up. So just you know, <laughs> keep it clear. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my. I, I had an Xbox too. I had a Sega Genesis, but yeah. Yeah, but and those n- were the Nintendo standouts. original was just. You know, hours on that screen. Yeah, yeah I would play Mega Man too. and I would I think I would just play like this first two levels over and over like not even knowing what was out there and like I well, probably I, didn't experience it. I was so it. obsessed yeah. that I kept playing in, into my adulthood and I'd go to the website so there's mmhp.net not to give it a plug or anything but uh, that just all strategies and stuff because each Mega Man game you have what eight bosses and of At course least. one weapon does a crazy amount of damage to a certain boss so yeah. it's like you have to find the right order to do the bosses in. How did, like, people, it's a fun little puzzle to figure before out. Before the internet you know you just wonder like people like before the internet that was so much harder how do you I mean yeah walk you had to get Nintendo Power which we had a yep. subscription yeah. to oh, <laughs> my brother had a subscription Ga- Game Pro was my thing that's what yeah, I always got Game Pro that's yeah. a good one too I remember in Mega Man 2 you could kill Metal Man with a metal his own weapon Metal right. Blade in one shot ah but how would you get his weapon so. if you... Because you have to... You have to, you have to, first? You have to uh, beat all the bosses again in Dr. Wily's castle. Yeah, that <laughs> all eight bosses again. And you somehow have to know to do that. You know, you have to think about, like, about doing that. It's crazy how stuff. You know? That's why I like it. For, for an 8-bit game on Nintendo back in the day, it was yeah. in-depth and crazy. And it leaves nice. good memories, you know? It leaves, like, mm-hmm. when you solve something like that on your own. The fact own, that I still know how to kill some of yeah, those guys exactly. is kind of Yeah, ridiculous. the fact that you know shows how many times you played it. Yeah, it was it was, it was silly. And of course, like all the Mario games were just epic. Yeah, of I course. Love that kind we've of talked. Stuff. We've talked in depth about the Mario games. All right, do you want to move on to movies or TV then? Uh, let's do uh, movies, I guess, because TV cool. is like another definer in movies. Yeah. Um, I'd say when I was a kid, it was probably things like The Neverending Story. I mean, I'm one of those kids who mm-hmm. grew up in the '80s, so 
those 80s style movies are sort of the biggest ones. Never Ending Story, um, Labyrinth, oh, huge. Um, things like that. But I still say to this day, the funniest movie ever made is Spaceballs. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing funnier. I just think it's Mel Brooks, uh, that type of humor, the sort of really insane, absurdist type of stuff. It's sort of like American Monty Python. Where it's a little bit silly, you know? Yeah, he made a career of doing those, like, parody movies. Yeah, Blazing and, Saddles um, and Young Frankenstein. It's funny, I read about these people who, like, saw Spaceballs before they saw Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, like... Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, like there's people You know what? There. I might be one of those people, now that I think about it, because I think I, st- I saw Star Wars in theaters when I was, like, a kid. Yeah. And looking back, that probably wasn't a good idea for my parents, because that's... <laughs> It's, I wouldn't say it's rated R, but there's no. a lot of language in that movie. Violence, yeah. Um, Spaceballs, and, uh, when I was a kid, was like the funniest thing, like combing the desert combing and the desert, uh, Schwartz uh, and yogurt and Pizza all the Hut. Pizza the Hut was just, <laughs> oh, man. I like I, I, I definitely hadn't seen Alien yet, and there was that parody with the alien doing the, hello, my darling, yes, hello, at the yes. end of the check, please. And uh, when they jam the radar, like it's like <laughs> it's dumb, but it's also clever. Oh, it's and fantastic. so yeah, it's it's good. Definitely, still, still to this day, I think it's the funniest movie ever made. Yeah, and so Rick Moranis classic as well. So. Yes, it is. Who's he retired from acting, didn't he? Canadian, yeah, yeah, and, he did. Uh, yeah. And uh, after he did Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I think. Still hoping he comes out of retirement for <laughs> Ghostbusters 3, though. Oh. Yeah, if you're listening, Rick Moranis, we need you back for Ghostbusters. <laughs> who just got announced for that? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, which which could be a good re- replacement, so to speak, almost. I mean, yeah. not that he needs to play the same character, but I mean, same vibe, is maybe, it, in some I, ways. I, I just don't uh, know about all the, the, the reboots and the, the sequels. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I would rather they not make it than make it, train. but if they're going to make it, I like the direction they're yeah, taking. That's sort of my, my attitude. It's leaning that way anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I'll, give it, I'll, I'll give it a shot, is mm-hmm. what I'm sort of thinking. Uh, I also would say... It'd be worse um, than 2016. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Hot take. Uh, other movie. My, my favorite movie for the longest time was The Shining because I just I'm just a big horror nerd as well. Okay, there um, you go. Another good, good because I I I am I am not. I've seen a few of like the classics and all that, but I, I've heard we haven't gotten into a lot of the horror stuff split here. Split decisions on uh, movies like Cabin in the Woods, where it was like that new take. Have you seen that one? Where it's that like, movie. Is incredible. Yeah, I, I love that. Movie. I love it. I, I would. I don't know that it would be horror in my opinion, but there's obviously aspects it, it, it's, of it. It's a horror movie that turns into something else. It's oh, like a genre breaker. Percent. It's like a horror, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's all you need to say, and it's well worth watching. Or a watching. formula breaker, a genre breaker. Yeah. It's, yeah, and that was yeah. the point because I it remember is. when it came out, people were saying, "Oh, this changes the game." Yeah. You haven't seen a horror movie like this, and they're right. I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Evil Dead series is obviously fantastic. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm big on Evil those. Dead Two is one of the best movies ever made. Great. Mm-hmm. And great. have you seen the movie? It came out a couple of years ago. Called The Visit. Anybody? Oh, the night. Uh, it's where Shyamalan. the kids have to yes. go yes. to uh, Grandma yeah. and Grandpa's yeah. house. That is one of the funniest movies ever made. <laughs> that revitalized his career. If you, if you don't career. know what I'm talking yeah. about, if you've seen this movie, Yahtzee's going to make a lot of sense to you. <laughs> it is hilarious. The whole thing is just so funny because it's like Grandma and Grandpa being like really creepy, sort of possessed weird, yeah. and just like creeping you out the whole time. Well, the kids, easy. of course, you're seeing it through the eyes of the kids. Yeah. And it's, it's hilariously creepy. I remember I went to see it with a friend of mine who just... Got shushed because he was laughing out loud. The entire time. <laughs> like, this is a horror movie. You're ruining it. It's like, it's, it's, come on, this is funny. Come on, come on. Yeah, <laughs> no, so, I, good movie. Let's go back to The Shining because oh, you yeah. said that was the one defining one. So, were you 
a fan of the book or are you a fan of Stephen King novels? I actually just, just read the book two years ago for the okay. first time. Okay. I've been so a big, I've movie. read a lot of, almost, I've read half of Stephen King's books. Oh my God. I'm he much, writes a lot of books. That's the thing. I'm not much yeah. of a reader, but uh, I was a big fan of his when I started. When I started. Well, my mom was a big fan, so she had all the books in her cupboard. Yeah. And I, would go grab I have a, a similar kind of thing. My mom loves Stephen King. And the one thing he does is he just writes too much description. Yeah. Oh my God! He puts you to sleep with pages of, of, how, the, of how this guy opens a door, and it's like, yeah. oh, crap. I couldn't get through the Dark Tower. Series. Oh, I haven't read that. Yeah, yeah that, that's big. It was it was daunting. Yeah, I decided to try it. Uh, and I, I thought the Green Mile was uh, a great book, and then I saw the movie. It's one of the few movies where it's like note for note, right. scene for scene. It's almost the exact same thing right. as the book. Uh, the Shining I read two years ago, and I'd say it's actually a little bit better than the movie. Uh, yeah. it, it's the same story with the same creepiness in a much different way. And, uh, it's a little more violent. So the book's better, uh, right? Yeah, I think so. So famously, Stephen King like didn't like the direction that um, yeah. Stanley Kubrick took for the movie, I, right? I, from and he what disagreed. I remember, he said it, he, 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 it's not the way he would have done yes, it. Exactly. Darling, light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to But he, he thought it was fine. Like, yeah. he was, he didn't, but every I don't other, think he crapped on it. every other iteration of his books, he's given, like, a big thumbs up to. That seems to be the only one that he's sort of Yeah, and it's the on, best right? one. The best reviewed one. It's probably the... Do you know which ones? Because typically, when that happens, I find his movies aren't that good. I know, it's... So yeah. uh, what was the one movie he actually wrote the screen... Uh, Maximum Overdrive, about the trucks that come yeah. to life and are killing people. Yeah. That's a terrible movie. Yeah, well, it's um, not a great idea either, in my oh, opinion. But. What was the, other one? Oh, the, the book Pet Cemetery, fantastic. The movie... The first movie. I'm talking yeah, about I 1989. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Just garbage. Well, there's two or three of them. <laughs> New one that just came out. Yeah, I heard it's pretty good. It's yeah. supposed to be pretty good. Heard good things, but uh, The Shining, for me, is easily top three horror movies. Hell yeah. Um, definitely my favorite supernatural horror. Yeah. It's yeah. so Definitely. strange. Towards the, the, that last 40 minutes or so, it's so weird. When he's just kind of losing it. Yeah, I mean, it's great, and it. it's a great performance, and all that kind of stuff comes along with it. Well, but it all starts it in the su- bar, when he gets to the bar, and there's the uh, bartender giving How many, like, hey, uh, you yeah. should kill people your family. He- <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> How many people here, like me, saw the, like, Simpsons episode with the Shining, yeah, the Shining. before yeah. they saw The Shining? Yeah. Maybe oh, not before, maybe. but that was a yeah. definitely. I'm gonna use my great to contact Willie. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, well, the Simpsons have covered it all, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the right? Shinning boy. The shinning. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is uh, in that episode, and like the elevator and the blood flies, the blood comes out of the elevator. And I'm looking at it, and Mr. Burns is like, "That's weird. The blood usually gets off on the sixth floor." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of that iconic shot of the blood, uh, you know, coming through the hallways, are we excited for Doctor Sleep? Have you seen the trailer? I did see yeah, the trailer, and I tr- I I remember trying to listen to the audiobook once, and oh, yeah. just fell asleep. And it's a great title for the book, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, the, but that trailer makes it look exciting. It and does. Once it does again, look cool, yeah. it might have been once again because Stephen King just drones on and on and on, so I couldn't get into it. But yeah, this looks very good. Yeah. How about how about it? I mean, I know you guys have seen the new one. The new one, I. I is fantastic. I, the yeah, old one, good. which I guess was a mini series, is what they sort of. Yeah, it was a three episode, two or three episode series. They on turned television into technically turned with into John a movie. Ritter and Harry Anderson and a, yeah. a bunch of eighties sort of. Style. But the new one is is a great take on something that's old and maybe didn't necessarily need to be redone. But mm. again, if we're talking about reboots or re. That was another one that got me. I started reading the book. When I heard the movie was coming yeah. out, I was like, I, it's one of his books I haven't read yet. So I started you know, getting right into it, and I yeah, got I to it. like the last four chapters, and then it came out, went and saw it in the movie, and I still haven't finished it. I haven't it. finished it up. <laughs> I still haven't finished it. Uh, so maybe I'll get to it one day. Yeah. Uh, the book is very, it's very, because the book bounces back and forth. 
from them right. reminiscing about what happened, which and is then, what the second movie is going to yeah, be. The, and the second one has split all the all the timelines yeah. apart, and it's and it's very it's a weird book. The movie kind of gives it a little bit of sense, but yeah, the I think book it's like very weird. That's deep into Stephen King's like addiction days, yeah, you know, I heard, I and so. I know about the book <laughs> and which the ending. Which is why it's one of his best books. It was, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> you don't want to promote it's got that, that weird but, ending you know, and everything. But, hey, you know, yeah. art. art the reason Keith Richards is such a good guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never had a deep attachment to the original it, but I was. I was definitely on board with the new one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely go back and watch the original, but the new one has me excited for number two for sure. The, the trailer and is, that trailer they did oh, was yeah. just kind yeah. of like a mini scene. Was incredible, incredible. We, yeah, if anyone we, hasn't seen it, even if you haven't seen the first movie yeah. of the of the reboot, I think that that is like. I don't even know if that's a full scene from the movie. Mm-hmm. It might not be, but it's fantastic. Yeah, it's and so I love cool. the way that the trailer is not giving you all of the aspects of the movie. It's just a kind of a. A, a teaser into one of the scenes. Of the it's movie. not even really, I don't even know that it's giving you anything. Right. It's just telling you that they're older is really all it <laughs> yeah. is. Which right? is all you really need to know. Yeah, that's it. It's back, they're older, let's go kill it again. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing about it that's like, not even against the movie itself, but it started the whole Stephen King essence. Like, so they, and also these new Stephen King movies start mm. coming out. And it's like the Dark Tower and Pet Cemetery and like, I don't know how good that is that we're getting. It was so bad. They they watered it right down. They took out all the like. That's not against it really because it was such a good movie, and I'm yeah, I'm excited. I've read it really well. The first three books, I I wouldn't mind reading. After that, they say yeah, the the story's fine, but it just it's not as good as the first three. Yeah, yeah. The Dark Tower seems something like that should be revisited in a Netflix series or something down the oh, line, like, be like redone. And, yeah. Because Netflix is getting better budgets for their, uh, yeah. for their shows. Were, and yeah. That would be really good. Yeah, that's that actually the Marvel I was... We were talking about Marvel off mic, and that's the Marvel I got into is the Netflix series. Oh, I love Dare those. Da- that first season of Daredevil. Oh, my God. First that fight great. scene in the hallway in like episode three or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah well, like the first big one oh, or whatever. He, he, yeah. Yeah. Daredevil was incredible, and yeah. I believe it was the writer of Cabin in the Woods that... Oh, really? I think he did the pilot, or he was a writer on the show, for sure. Cool. Nice, nice. Uh, What else we got? Uh, Television, I guess. TV! Uh, I think I got through all the movies that I got my little... Yeah, if it pops up in your head after, we'll Um, add to it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, just one more movie. I I thought... I don't need to go too in-depth. I know we're talking superhero movies, but this is sort of off off the beaten path. (laughs) I thought Kick-Ass is one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. Oh, I just, nice. I just quite enjoyed you. it when it came out. Similar to the idea of when we're talking Cabin in the Woods, it's a it took it uh, a superhero movie and sort of put it on its head a little sort of a new style. Yep. Superhero movie. Yeah, the I second love, one, uh, absolute trash. I know it's so <laughs> one of the worst movies oh, ever made. Wasn't too thrilled with the second one. I love the writer Mark Miller. He was like yeah. my, he's like my favorite writer. He's he's his work has slid a bit, but. He just got bought up by Netflix. So oh, there you all go. Of oh, yeah, that's right. All his stuff's going there. Yeah. But Kick-Ass yeah. is awesome. It yeah. is like turning the genre on its head. And the whole idea is it was just like, what if we, like me and my friends wanted, when we were kids, wanted to go out and just actually be heroes. And what if we did that? He wrote a story based on that. Yeah. And, uh, I was thoroughly was impressed awesome. not to get weird that they were able to not sexualize a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's easy to get away with that. tend to try to do that yeah, a little bit yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a great job. She was just badass. Mm. Yeah. Which was good. Literally the most, probably the most badass and she was pretty kick-ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As they say. <laughs> yeah. And I think the first kick-ass, it was, she was a nice surprise when you're watching that one. Yeah. And the second one kind of, it kind of yeah. sticks with her storyline more. Oh, the, so. the, as, as I said, the second one, just just yeah. ignore it. <laughs> I, well, I was really looking forward to it because Jim Carrey. Exactly, and, you know, so was sure. You know, we got this great comeback from Nicolas Cage, and we see him doing great things like even his role in Spider-Verse, for example. Oh, he was um, good at that, yeah. And, yeah, he comes back in Kick-Ass, and he's showing that he's still, 
able to, you know, entertain mm-hmm. the audience. And then Jim Carrey comes back, and you're expecting the same thing. And I don't know his his role in Kick-Ass Two. Didn't I've heard land. Jim Carrey's just it he's didn't not land all with there me. anymore. He's a yeah, really I mean, sort of out there kind of guy. His yeah. classics <laughs> are obviously classics, yeah. but uh, he didn't have the same sort of comeback in my mind that Nicholas Cage did. Yeah, yeah um, Nicholas Cage is great. Uh, television, television, television. Uh, growing up, it was all the same sort of '80s, '90s cartoons. You get your Tiny Toons, your Animaniacs, all your one yep. wonders like the like My Pet Monster. Does anybody oh, yeah. here remember Denver the Last Dinosaur? Uh, I see I a lot of really worried faces no, here. Uh-oh. Look at this old guy here. I want to say like <laughs> Tell me that's early '80s. <laughs> it was a dinosaur that got unfrozen and oh, I, like, I know it was the a look rock of it. and roll. Yeah. They gave him like neon glasses and yeah. like a pink jacket. That sounds awesome. And he hung out with kids. Yeah. <laughs> it probably wasn't, but <laughs> it's what I '88. It's what I yeah. remember yeah. when I was a kid. two months in '88. <laughs> two months. It only September twelfth, November twenty second. Awesome. They kept it in syndication for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, they still got thirty something episodes out of it, so. Um, so yeah, the, the cartoons, probably mm-hmm. the best iteration, in my opinion, I know a lot of people might look at me weird, one of the, probably the best iteration of Batman, the animated series. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. You kidding me? I mean... 100%. I mean, the Dark Knight was pretty good, but come on, the, that Batman animated series with Mark Hamill uh, doing the Joker. It's the best. Just still my favorite. Still my favorite cartoon yeah, series. Yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I don't think, I think people like me agree. That is basically... The best version of Batman mm. you can watch. I think it's, it's gritty yeah. Yeah. and for kids, yeah. which is weird because you could still watch it now and be like, "This is actually quality." It does they got, not they all, all the different characters. Yeah, it doesn't get into the uh, into the silliness too much. Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. keep it dark, but it's still like you said, it still works for kids. Like it doesn't get too scary. It doesn't yeah, the get old too Adam, As- Adam West one's a lot more goofier and campy. Well, than yeah, it's hundred percent camp. One, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It had that classic animation too. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't too cartoony or childish for sure. Yeah. So that's was... still still my fear. That that was one of my defining shows was that. Mm-hmm. Because I think I, like I, I think it. that show like for Dave and Scott everyone here that show is like responsible for a whole generation of loving Batman. Like this is why we have like yeah, the yeah. Batman it movies we have now. 100% is for me. 100%. Yeah, if you Same didn't here. have the, I know it's DC, but if you didn't have stuff like that, you wouldn't have this push for it now. Exactly. Yeah. For all these superheroes. Mm-hmm. It really, how many seasons, is, you didn't see how many seasons that lasted the Batman. Oh yeah, it's, it's pretty it long. It was quite a few. It's a lot. And then it even spun off into like they kept uh, the the voice actor in the Justice League and Justice mm. League Unlimited. Like that guy played that. And in the Batman video games and, too, I think they used some of the voice. Yeah. Didn't Mark Hamill do the voice for Arkham Asylum and Arkham yeah. uh, City? Yep. You know, yeah, yeah. Ninety-two, and, and ninety-two to ninety-five. So not shorter, bad, not bad. shorter than I thought. But lots. So four seasons and a whole ton of episodes. Yeah, I'll try and get the total here. But yeah, it's uh, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Kevin Conroy went oh, on to do Bruce right. Wayne. I think in multiple properties, and oh, he, oh, yeah. he kept Batman with it even for Batman Beyond. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was in Batman Beyond. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Kevin Conroy is like the best Batman. Like a lot of people have to say that like that's he's, my he's Batman. He's probably done more Batman. Yeah. Than anyone. Than anyone else. Yeah. Like he's played lines, Batman the more times. Lines yeah. in, in in film or or cartoons oh, yeah. or games. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So yeah. Uh, animation aside, I remember when I was really young, I used to sneak into my parents' bedroom and I'd watch uh, David Letterman. Uh-huh. Um. All the time, and I. But before then, they'd always watch, because for some reason it was on syndication on Channel Four, in like late eighties, early nineties, the Benny Hill Show. Oh, yeah, I know what that British is, comedy yeah. that got yeah. me into Britcoms like Monty Python oh, and things sweet. like that. Yeah, Benny that Hill was you know, running around chasing girls in their underwear, and that little bald guy that we slap <laughs> on the head. I used to love that stuff. And uh, the other defining show I would say would be Married with Children. Ooh, oh, got yeah. me into like the Family Guy style of humor, where it's just sure. crude sort of stuff. I've seen every episode of that show. Dozens of times. So now I'm 
The only TV I really watch now is animated, you know, Family Guy, Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, uh, Archer. Yeah. Um, uh, all good shows. All great shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good <yeah>. taste. <laughs> So, like, I, I want to just touch on the Letterman thing. So I think oh, it's yeah. like everyone has a, a late-night show that they, like, define, that they associate with, and that sort of defines your sense of humor, I think. Am I guessing the three of you are under Conan? I'm Conan. For there me, it's Conan, yeah. for sure. Because um, you're just a little bit younger. Yeah. Than Conan, <laughs> so that's for Conan. me, is, like, it, I would stay up. I, I would stay up. He was the late, like, oh, you watched Letterman, he was the late, late one, like, after? Uh, no, no. Well, Leno, well yes. Uh, well, only for, like, a year, but I I remember when I was a kid, sort of the defining moment when I really sort of got into him was he when he moved from NBC to CBS. Yeah, it's it was right. his own show okay. at 1130. So it was 1130. Opposite yeah. Slayer. Because Jay Leno yeah. got the spot from Carson and then Letterman, right. you know, that whole bitter feud. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, was, it was the CBS years, like when Madonna had, did you see the Madonna interview where she's totally coked out of her mind? <laughs> I've heard <laughs> of it, yeah. She's something out she's of her something, mind. She's something, yeah. She's not making any sense when Drew Barrymore flashes him. All those All epic that, sort of yeah, moments. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I would watch Conan like every single night when I was in high school. I would stay up. I would watch Conan and he really defined like sense of humor and he comes from the Simpsons and I was like yeah. massive Simpsons. So it was like that yeah. humor just really hit home with me and he was like, <laughs> like Leno would do like the headlines and he would do, he would find real headlines and make them funny and Conan yeah. would just make up a headline because it was funny and that's like wow. the absurd humor that I kind of now associate with. Yeah. yeah, I think I looked forward to Conan's intros and oh, yeah, he's a little, you know, bef- more than the actual like show but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a little, epic. Yeah. <laughs> we had one segment where it was, it was, a Walker, Texas Ranger lever. Oh. You pull it, oh. and you'd just get a random scene out of the show, and it would be random. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. No I context, just like, I what did that. I just watch? If a joke <laughs> fell flat, he'd pull the lever, and they'd show a random scene from Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. And it got a laugh every time. I guess the randomness of it is... He was, was so, was like... Fra- um, more fresh, I guess, at the time. I, I guess Conan would be for me, too, but I never stuck with one... Oh, late really? night show. Okay. I don't know why. I guess I just bounced around. I think my dad also didn't, or my parents didn't just stick with one. Yeah. They would go between Letterman and Leno, mm-hmm. and it would just be whatever's on kind of thing. And then, yeah, high school was more like, oh, you find start finding clips on YouTube, or you or you maybe stay oh, up. Well, a now little I bit. get sucked into those YouTube. Well, now like, it's yeah. now it's all of it. That's I was what it's on, become, right? Yeah, uh, maybe clip a forty-five yeah. minute Conan spiral when I went yeah. onto YouTube. And then it led me to a Norm Macdonald spiral, which led me to a Don Rickles spiral. Like, you just get sucked into <laughs> That these doesn't sound like a YouTube bad time at all. YouTube where you're just <laughs> watching comedy bits well, and you're watching clips. One of the the ones, that's the algorithm I working. Know, right? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, it's working. It's the, one of the ones that I watched, actually, for the late night ones, uh, which was when Conan and, and those guys were in their prime and Letterman was, was on his way out, was Craig Ferguson. Oh, he's oh, great. I, I watched Craig his Ferguson show a that, lot. What's the robot's name off to the side? The weird uh, guy with the mohawk? I can't remember, but he yeah. was always really Great dirty. bit of Scottish humor there. <laughs> yeah, like I watched, I watched most of his stuff even before He was before really dirty. Yeah. Like even on, well, he was on at 1230, I guess, right? And he his was, was the late, the was late, really late show. Yeah, that's what it was called. And yeah. you know, remember who it was before was him? Great. And I used to watch this guy, Craig Kilborn. Yes, remember I do that remember guy? that. Yeah. Oh, Kilborn, yeah. He was, yeah. okay, he was kind of dry. He had that sort of, what do you think? Actually kind of similar to David Letterman without the goofiness. Yeah. That's what I liked about David because he seemed like a really sort of grumpy guy, which he actually is in real life when you see those interviews with yeah. him. But he can be really, really goofy at the same time. He turns it on. And, oh, I mean, yeah. genuinely. I always think about his on. cameo. I think it was old school. You know, Craig Kilborn when he's, oh, he's, oh, guy. Yeah. he's yeah. that like that raunchy guy who's <laughs> hitting on the service <laughs> yeah. staff. I thought you meant David Letterman's cameo. Can you tell me what Great movie David there. Letterman did a cameo in? Oh, yeah. He it said was it in 1992 or something. And the line is, hey, hey, want to buy a monkey? 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, what's it called? They're gonna. It's Cabin Boy. Cabin Boy. Chris Elliott. Yeah, uh, yeah. A very forgotten he talks about it in movie. Yeah, yeah, very like good reasons. That, yeah. that was probably the funniest part of the movie, and it lasted about eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because it's him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. The late night stuff is. We haven't uh, got into late night before, so it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of my like growing up, like mm. how I form my sense of humor and everything, for sure. Yeah, I think I think because everyone has their own style, and even even today, even today, whether. Letterman is still around. Leno, whoever it is. People that, are watching know. like Fallon and Kimmel today, I think. Fallon and I, Kimmel I are really, the two big guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Kimmel a lot. But, mm. um, I like them. Yeah, they're both good. Who are the 1230 guys? You get the guy who used to be on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Seth Meyers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know who else. Uh, is Carson Daly still on at 3.30 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That <laughs> went for James a little Gordon. while. James, James Gordon. Gordon, there's the yeah, other one. Yeah, yeah. And he's everywhere now. He's yeah. not, he's... He's he, yeah, enough. he's kind of like the the darling of British television and British media. He hosts a lot of yeah. things and pops but it's up so in different now. Things. It's all about going viral now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like well, you said before, television. it's all about yeah, those YouTube yeah. uh, pieces and clips and stuff. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it is Paul McCartney it is. doing car, car karaoke. Whatever yeah, called, like, karaoke. Like, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, give J- James Corden whatever he wants. Let him do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. that's why he's all over the exactly. And Conan's like totally changed his show up where he's like. Like I, I don't know if he's actually he's strictly done it now. online now. Yeah, he's like I'm not having guests anymore because it's, it's only a half hour show. Well, he's yeah. got a new podcast, show right? That he does. Yeah. He's like all that matters now is it's going viral. You don't need an hour and a half, or like you bring on these guests. You can cut that and, out. Yeah, you can cut yeah, that don't, all don't out. Pro, don't yeah. pro, uh, promo anybody else. Hey, you know just, this is the only podcast you should listen. To. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's a pod? What? What? What's another podcast? What? <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are my yeah. defining choices. Yeah. Yeah. Some great ones. Very 80s centric. But all right, now we got to know Scott. So mm-hmm. uh, we have a couple of things that we're going to get into. So the four of us, well, uh, the four of us have seen Toy Story 4. Yes, we have. So that will expand on uh, a previous recording of us uh, talking about the Pixar movies in general, and we'll throw that at you in, in a second as well. I think I heard that. Yeah, <laughs> so that there's that, and then there's Spider-Man Far From Home, which I personally haven't seen, so I will leave the room when that comes up, and you <laughs> okay. guys will talk about it. So Fair we're going to take a really quick break, and we'll come back. And we'll uh, get into Toy Story 4, our thoughts, which will include spoilers, and also Spider-Man Far From Home, which will include spoilers as well. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert ahead of time, a break, and then we'll get back into it. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, We are now headed to some uh, Toy Story 4, Pixar talk, and some Spider-Man talk. Again, another heads up, we are going to spoil both of those movies in just a second. Um, just to get the ball rolling on, on this half of the of the episode and discussion, Scott, uh, we talked about our favorite, we went through the whole list of our favorite Pixar movies. Um, so l- let's go through like a top three-ish for you, just so we have your perspective on those as well. Um, I would probably say at number three, I'm going to say, and this is a sort of a wild pick, Ratatouille. Nice. Oh, yeah, I had that in the top five. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, I found the story, and uh, it was one of those movies that really sort of, when you're watching, you're like, oh, like, you really relate to what's going yeah. on in the movie. I mean, that's what Disney's so good at, or Pixar, whichever one you're, you're looking at, do so well, or are making them relatable for anybody watching, young or old. And I thought Ratatouille is a lot of fun. Uh, number two, I would say, would be Finding Nemo. Uh, just because that would be, to me, th- that's the epic. That's one of the, I mean, yeah, other than Toy point. Story, I mean, Toy Story seems to be the big series, obviously, their flagship almost yeah. series. But Finding Nemo was just one of this big, giant epic that just blew blew me away completely. Uh, number one, uh, it's going to make me cry just thinking about it. <laughs> Inside Out. Ooh, that's nice. Because it didn't With get enough love. Our bing episode. Bong. Yeah. 
And uh, the, the the last scene, have you all seen it? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've seen the spoiler amazing. alert. How many years has it been? Uh, that last scene when it's not even any of the cartoon characters or any of the imaginary. The last scene when you come out and she's staring her parents in the face and saying, telling, t- finally being able to tell them, I'm not happy. Yeah. I miss my friends. Uh, I miss my school. And just like she's got the, the tears rolling down her face and the parents are like, oh. You need me to be happy. And my hockey team. I want to go home. Please don't be mad. Oh, sweetie. We're not mad. You know what? I miss Minnesota, too. I miss the woods where we took hikes. And the backyard where you used to play. Spring Lake. Where you learn to skate. Come here. My partner was just, he, he, I was inconsolable in yeah. the theater. I was bawling. Fair <laughs> enough. It's one of the most enough. emotional entries. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit that. Oh, no. That. I think no. everyone's with you. That, like, for, and when uh, Bing Bong uh, flies and, and disappears. Oh, that's, oh, oh my God. It's brutal. Me? The Bing Bong, and I think we talked, I said this in the other episode, I'll say it again. The yeah. Bing Bong and the first five minutes of Up are the two saddest uh, yeah, the moments in Pixar history. Up classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic sadness. Yeah. <laughs> classic sadness. Yeah. Well, because they lift you up so high and then they whip you down to the ground as hard as they Just get you right <laughs> into like, it, right? Yeah, that Bing Bong sequence reminds me the most of the Toy Story franchise out of all yeah. the other Pixar movies. Like, they do such a good job with yeah. that animation. That that shot of him staring into the camera with a big smile on his face saying, it's okay, and waving goodbye oh. as he fades out. It's like, you're, you're or, killing uh, me. <laughs> Pixar is so, like, I don't know the word, like, brave because they... They're kids' movies, but they tackle these like adult themes like yeah. depression. Like imagine mm-hmm. being like a kids' movie and tackling a theme like depression, or a lot of mm-hmm. the Toy Story movies have really, really deep yeah. themes. And no a other lot kids of those movies, movies do a very good that. job of that. Yeah, they do a very, job. very good job. Yeah. I knew you'd yeah. come around on Brave Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I did like it. It just was lower on my list. I had to really, yeah, I, I should have to go somewhere. I shouldn't right? be so harsh <laughs> on it. When I threw it, threw it off to the side. Sort of thing, but it was a good movie, Brave. But speaking of Brave, I think it's now edged out of my top 10 because oh. Toy Story 4 is right, here. Let's get into Toy Story. There you go. Look at that transition. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so um, you, why don't you start? You mentioned it, that it's, yep. that it's in your top 10 there like that. Uh, let's, let's talk about sort of overall feelings, and we, we'll just go straight into the spoilers of it um, because it's just hard not to. Yeah. Um, so let's, let, we'll go around the table and just sort of have our feelings and, about it and then... I mean, we'll bounce off each other's feelings about it. So go ahead. Sure. Taking start? a page out of Mike's book, you know, I'm trying to rank it as soon as I see it as opposed to sitting with it. Uh, gives me more of an initial reaction. I do put it in my top 10, probably squarely at 10 at this point. What did um, it push out? It pushed out Brave. Oh, push, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, it, but it is number, I love this movie, but it is number four for me out of the Toy Story franchise. I do rank them in order of release, one, two, three, and four. Oh, really? But as far as Toy Story 4 goes, I was, you know, a lot of us had reservations going into it. It was such a perfect trilogy. It had such an epic conclusion for most of the characters. And, uh, you know, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to ruin, uh, tarnish that, that legacy? But not in this case for me. I thought it was a very well-told story. It was beautiful. It was, um, you know, funny, heartwarming. And it gives Woody a purpose uh, beyond just servicing the the kid and the you know the toy room 
uh, toys in a kid's room kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Like he he gets to live on and find a new meaning, sort of post retirement, if that makes any yeah. sense. But yeah. uh, it it just uh, it touches on a lot of great things, and you know it I, hopefully puts a capper on the majority of the Toy Story, like the main franchise. But there is opportunities for Disney Plus series with some of the spinoff mm-hmm. characters. I think. Bo and her band of misfits, you know, that would be pretty cool, was <laughs> uh, was an incredible standout. As I think they stole the show, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. I mean, Woody gets a great storyline, and even Buzz with his comic relief, you know, with his whole yeah, the, the inside, inner, voice. inside voice. Oh man, <laughs> I was voice, dying yeah. every time. That did not get old for me. I was loving <laughs> Those it. Those are great. Every minute of it. was a lot smaller in this. It movie, was, it? and yeah. that that begs the question: like, could they go and do a Buzz spinoff if Tim Allen was interested? Maybe, but Maybe. I think for the actual, or if they were interested in Tim Allen. Yeah, I feel like the the reason his role was smaller because of the controversy. Of the last yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what? And I I wasn't even thinking about that, and that's a testament to my love for the actual Toy Story franchise. Because I wasn't even thinking about outside yeah. Yeah, no, politics. Was, I was just like, you know what? Like, this is probably the last story we're gonna get with Woody and Buzz together. Yeah, anyway, for yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Mike, what, what about you? Yeah, I loved it. I when I saw the trailer, like Ian said, a lot of people had reservations, and I had reservations about the like them um, doing another fourth movie after the third one ended ended it so well, yeah. and then with like the fork that came to life, I thought that was I didn't know how that was gonna go. <laughs> And at the beginning, it's I was... What's his name? Uh, Tony Hale yeah. from Arrested Development. So Forky perfect. and... Uh, yes. He's, yes, he's perfect, perfect casting for that role. For that. Yeah. Perfect casting. And I was just surprised, like, watching it, that they could make a kid's movie about a suicidal spork. Fair and, enough. And, like, <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's yeah. basically what it is. Trash. <laughs> yeah. Trash. And um, still... But it, but it does tread on some of the themes in Toy Story 3. And so the movie feels a little bit unnecessary in that way, but it's got just got so much of the Pixar magic mm. and the humor... And like you said, it was so heartwarming. It was so funny. Uh, Pixar just gets, like, they just have that lightning in a bottle every time. Yeah. And the Toy Story franchise is, like, going down as, like, four amazing movies. Like, how many franchises have, like, four, like, five out of five or whatever amazing movies? So, yeah, they did it again. I mean, I I didn't know what to, like, I wasn't expecting them to do it again, and they did it. So, I was really impressed. Great. I thought it was great. It was, oh, and in my list, yeah. it knocks out, um, I actually like it better than Toy Story 2 on my list. So it also makes my top 10 uh, just below Toy Story 3. So I got one, three, four, two. But they're Sweet. all in my, like, basically all the Toy Stories are in my top 10. That's how, that's how good the franchise is, yeah. I think. Scott? Okay. Um, I, uh, I think it was, I feel like I heard it on this podcast. Was this a movie that needed to be made? Yeah, I, I think that was the question that was probably yeah, not. Probably so not. But as you said, they knocked it out of the park because nah, I mean, how are you? Park. <laughs> how are you? Well, I guess the RV park. <laughs> the RV park. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how are you not going to with with the voice cast that you've got? Uh, oh, and amazing! With, with I mean, it's it's Pixar. It's it's just it is what it is. It's going to it's going to be good regardless of whether it is in fact a great movie or or if it's just another movie. Um, I. Kind of felt this could have been uh, a direct to DVD or direct to stream. Uh, I don't think I didn't f- ever feel it was epic enough. I felt it was another Toy Story movie, and again, it was they did a good job. But I didn't feel it. It, ha- it didn't have any big epicness until obviously the end when when Woody gets his own sort of oh he's going off this in this direction. Right. Um, other than that, yeah, everything, everything. It was nice. It was funny. I laughed. My favorite aspect of the entire movie was Key and Peele. Oh yeah, the stuff the uh, carnival prizes who are just 
hilarious the entire time. The one, the the part where they're telling how they're gonna yeah. get in the woman's place, they and there's that the key. third one where it's like she's in the bathtub, she's getting ready for dinner. It's like no, no, this already. And then they jump her and like keep beating her up. How about those mid-credit scenes with the no, laser that, vision? Yeah, that was my favorite part yeah. of the entire movie. Actually, yeah. I'm not kidding. Was the post-credit scene or during-credit scene where they just get giant and like the eyes are going in different directions? So good, laser, and the one starts breathing fire. That I was on the floor during that key. That key scene in general, yeah, was great because then what two three minutes. Later, they show how they actually got it. How are we mm. going to get that key? And it just gets placed right in front of them. Okay, amazing. Every gag great. landed. Uh, yeah, I didn't mention Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom. Oh, yeah. Canada. Yes, I Canada. That was very good. Yeah. yeah. As I was saying, the whole movie was funny, and I quite yeah. liked it. I just didn't feel it was. It didn't get. It didn't rise above. Uh, in a way, above the line yeah. In a way, I agree me. with you. Like when I said, it, it felt a bit unnecessary. Was because the thing that was they were tackling with Woody is like he feels like our. Uh, the the his owner has moved on from him and that's really the theme of Toy Story three oh, and that, that that's, that's the, another tear jerking yeah. moment the, the yep. very end when he hands the box to yep. the girl yes like, oh my god yeah. <laughs> so like they tackle that again me. in this movie so that's yeah. why it feels unnecessary but they do it with so much of the Pixar magic that you're yeah. just like yeah. okay but if you watch them back to back closely you'd be like Toy Story three the toy like Andy's moved on like oh my god then it's like they found a new owner. Toy Story four. Now she's moved on from Woody. Like if you watch yeah. them back to back, you'd be like, "We just tackled that." Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but it's le- but it's less about her moving on from Woody as him moving on from the group, right? Like, yeah, it focuses, they did enough, but like it, it's about Bonnie in in some ways. Like obviously because it's her toys mm. or her f- spork or yeah, whatever. But spork. it's not really about her missing Woody or the rest of the toys, right? It's sort of about Woody saying, you know. He needs to move on and potentially do something else where mm-hmm. it's been, he's been dad the whole time. Yeah. Yes. Right. And now he's moving on to, I guess, be retired dad or, yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, like, you know, the, the kids have moved out of the house. I, and I say that in a good way. Like, yeah. I, th- I thought it was great the way they sort of, and, and maybe you don't even really see that coming or you wouldn't expect to go into the movie that that would be some a choice that he would make. You can be the fun grandpa now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, that, they had to go there because like they'd they already tackled did. the other thing, right? Like yeah. the, the when you're on I I, I thought it was great. I I loved it. I mean, I I get more and more amazed at at all the Pixar movies almost with the detail they get into. So Bo's never really a toy. Right? Bo Peep's always just yeah, she's she's, she's a lamp. Yeah. Right? But, oh yeah, that's right. But they yeah, <laughs> they but gave they her life gave, in the same way they gave Forky life. Yeah, but they they make it very the they make it very obvious that she's made of ceramic in this one. The sound, the look, the fact that her arm breaks, the fact that the that the sheep lose one of their feet. Yeah, the, just every last little thing. I I'm just the like attention uh, to details and insane. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's always been the case with all these movies. Yeah. But for some reason, that always puts for some reason about the Toy Story movies, it puts it. It, it notches it up a bit for me for every single time because mm. they go through so much fine detail that you'd never think about if you're a kid playing with toys, but they go out of the way to make sure that you realize what they're made out of, mm. why they might move the way they do. Um, you know, you see Bo when she first shows up in it and she has like a, a bandage around her arm right. and, and you're wondering why that happens and then her arm falls off. <laughs> and it's like, oh my, but you know, all that stuff is... I don't, yeah, I, she seems battle hardened. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was a cool take. And it's, she is pretty badass in this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's it's a I movie about the, the skunk two car. I think they really nailed <laughs> it with the great. opening flashback idea. sequence in the movie, the nine years ago. Yeah, really sets the tone and what to expect going forward, like for the rest of the film. But they, you know, they show that side of Woody where he has a conflict, even when he's still with Andy. Yeah. And you'd think he'd put nothing over Andy, but he does have that consideration for should I go with Bo? 
and you know what what that would have been like. But yeah. uh, and then that brings the story full circle. Yeah, and I think it's a very good standalone entry too in that respect. Yeah, it can it can work on its own. It I mean, can. obviously yeah, the emotional beats work when Camera you're more up. invested in, in the rest of them and stuff. But but it's fun enough, and there's all, all the new characters I thought were amazing. I thought all the new characters. Every one were of great. them. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one is great. I mean. And all the little Easter eggs they have in it are always fun to watch and all the Pixar movies, mm. you know, all that stuff goes goes a long way too. Like when they walk into the pinball machine, the guy who opens the door is yeah. the tin toy from the very first short that they've ever made. Like all that little stuff is great. I, I caught w- one of the pictures on the wall in the antique store was the, the classic of all the guards, the dogs playing poker with each other. And one of the dogs was the dog from Up. Oh, that's oh, right. Was in it? That's right. As well, it's a real. It, like they just zoom down. They just pan right past it, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, ah, oh! and it just. <laughs> yeah, to me, it didn't feel like because I said before, I'm not a fan of when Pixar does sequels. It didn't feel like those other sequels that just feel like cash grabs. Like it felt like they actually had something to say, and I think it's because they take their time between the Toy Story movies, and it really feels like they only make a Toy Story movie when they really have a good story. And they really have something new yeah, they, they want to say. They, so they, I like they got that, away with that having a really good story, and and it it made sense. Yeah. To make it, I mean, it, it, and maybe that's part of it is that it was unexpected. Mm. Yeah. We're all sitting here saying, Well, I don't know Another if it was one, necessary. And finding Dory, yeah, I would say that. probably half the population of people that were going to go see this movie probably assumed, Yeah, it's not really necessary, mm. you know, if you're an adult anyway, or you're, or you're invested in the series. But then you go and it feels maybe not necessary, but it feels right, which I think is, you know, a testament. So I guess Toy Story testament. 4 climbed ahead of. Of some of the other ones for you? Uh, just the first one. Okay. That's it. Two and three. Three still right up there for right. me uh, in my top three. And then, at, well, actually number two uh, in my in my personal list. And then I would kind of go two, four, one, I think. Okay. After that, yeah. Um, again, I think the emotional stuff always puts the Pixar movies a little bit. Oh, yeah. Bumps them a little bit higher. Oh, yeah. Even um, as an adult, if you can relate to some of that stuff and be sort of blown away by it or, yeah. or moved by it, and they usually get it done. They're usually able to do it. I, I can't see one that doesn't, yeah, really, yeah. when it comes and to And how did we it. all feel about the antagonist, the primary antagonist in the film? Like the dog? Gabby Gabby? Great. Yeah. I like her, great. her henchmen scared the hell out of Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it reminded me of Light, Night of the Living Dummy. <laughs> no, they were uh, Slappy the Dummy from Goosebumps. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I hated right. that thing when I was... That's what they were. Yeah. That they was, were creepy. What, and wasn't that the very first or second book that Goosebumps ever did? Too? Yeah, it was, it was one of the on classics, that. for sure. Yeah, one of the very first and ones. And they had sequels to that book, too. Yeah, and I really like actually how they actually... Uh, went out of their way. I mean, first, I like how her and Forky kind of become friends in a yeah. way. Like, I loved that part of it. <laughs> when Forky's little hand goes on top of her, yeah. I was dead. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but then you realize that, you know, the reason why she wants the voice box and stuff, sure, it's another toy way of getting that uh, sort of storyline out there, but the fact that the girl that she always sees, the granddaughter that she always sees, looks just like the one in the book. Mm, yeah. And it's the book that is based on her her doll. And her, this like, is my destiny, I must be. Well, yeah, yeah she and I thought that was great. I <laughs> no, thought she was gets great. an interesting redemption arc. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're not happy with her when she takes Woody's voice box. But, yeah, they kind of breeze you know, through that a little bit. They, they did that, I think, intentionally because yeah. if you look at it, they're walking a fine line between how are we going to still make this character redeemable by the end of it because yeah. you, you can't go to. too hard one way right so i, don't, I, don't I think, think they can, did that okay in a you can't movie. make a movie like this for kids nowadays and not have a redemption because yeah that's not the lesson and it was pretty to close learn, right? to the yeah. redemption part of the storyline yeah. if they went too hard one way it would be 
they take too need too much time to bring it back. Yeah, a little bit. It's so. crazy how good the animation was too. Oh. It was a, like the best looking animated Incredible. movie. Incredible. Comes so far from number one. Like yeah. if you were to compare them, it would be like stark. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. And now that I'm thinking about it, I also like how they gave her Gabby Gabby her own kid to find at the end instead of going with them because you know she is the right. villain for the most of the movie and you're like, how are these guys gonna get along? Like she literally stole Woody's voice box. <laughs> yeah. But she finds her own kid, so that's kind of like her own little journeys. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. well done, well made. And all the yeah. parenting themes of it were like Oh, like watching great. the kid with her first uh, first day of uh, daycare. Oh or yeah, the daycare scene was was great. Yeah. yeah, and Woody being like a parent to Sporky. Yeah, and yeah, it just had it was good. How about Forky with Forky. his, uh, you know, the the next creation that she makes in grade one? Oh yeah, <laughs> at the very end. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Hilarious. Yeah. So overall, we we pretty much enjoyed it. I Pixar mean, did it again. Yeah, it, I think yeah, so. they did it again. Yeah. They did it again, and we'll see yeah. what comes up next with the uh, sort of gnome story and, and onward. Stuff. Fitting yeah. title. Onward, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I'm pumped for that. It's, a, it's like a brand new... Uh, new ideas. New, yeah, like new like ideas. we said yeah. in the last ep- in the other episode, like it's... We're always more excited when they're doing something The new, new ideas. Not as yeah, cool. exactly. Um, speaking of not new ideas, uh, well, I guess, sort of, uh, Spider-Man, Far From Home. Uh, this <laughs> is whip. my cue to exit. I will yeah, let you guys go at it. Spoiler <laughs> alert, people. Spoiler alert for If you haven't much, seen it, feel yeah. free to tune out, but then tune back in once you so have seen I'm it. So I'm going to hear this. You guys Jump ahead go. about, what, five, ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> At least. You can, well, I'll, I'll we'll uh, knock on the window or something. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. Dave will let us I'll know how long we ran. <laughs> I'll go for a walk. I'll, uh, get, get your steps in. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my steps in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you guys have fun now. Uh, be nice, and uh, I'll be back in a bit. Go for it. Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. All right. So, Spider-Man Far From Home. Is that what ends? Oh, I'm closing okay, the door I'm going to sit in the host chair for once. This, okay. this is the 23rd entry. <laughs> 23rd entry in the MCU. This is the culmination of the Infinity Saga, which started in 2008. John Favreau's Iron Man starring Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that's right. So this was the last one. So me and Ian are massive MCU fans. Um, I think people that listen probably know that. And Scott, we were talking about this before. You were like... uh, I've I've seen, I'd say, 90% of them. Okay. uh, And probably, actually, I think I've only missed one or two. And uh, no, I've I've been a fan from the beginning. and, and, And I like... I like what I see most of the time. <laughs> Let's right. put it that yeah. way. <laughs> well, most of them are good. They're like Pixar yeah. in that way. We're they're Pixar they're beautiful to watch. Yeah. I like I like a good fight scene. I like mm-hmm. good action scenes. I like good graphics. Uh, they uh, kill it with that stuff, right? Yeah, and they always do. I mean, a studio like that, they have to... It's, it's the same with the Toy Story. You're saying the animation's on point. Yeah, there's a reason, because these are the top of their field right. on the yeah. planet. And they throw they the most money be, at it. Yeah, it. They hire the best people. <laughs> All right, so what did you think of them? We'll start with you, I guess. What did you think of Spider-Man Far From Home? I thought, uh, so we're, we're following Peter Parker, of course, and now I think we've got the youngest Peter to date, right? Yeah, Or, or at least he he's appears to be, because he's yeah. in high school. Mm-hmm. He's, what, about 16, I think, or 17 in the movie? Yeah, I think he's 16, 16 in the movie. 16, I think so. Is... And I think this story was geared toward that age group. I yeah. found that it was a very coming of age, at least the first half, anyway. They were sort of focusing on... This is a story about a teenager for teenagers. Not that if you're not a teenager, you can't enjoy it, but I found it very... Uh, I, did, I did find it accessible, mind you, so that maybe the writing was good enough that they were able to avoid that whole, well, it's just a teenage movie. Um, 
And uh, other than that, I thought uh, I thought Jake Gyllenhaal did a fantastic job. Oh, he was great. I thought he was probably the one of the one of, if not the best actor in the movie. Yeah, his acting was on another yeah. level. I thought. I thought he took the character to a really cool place, and um, and the action scenes were phenomenally done. Some of the best, I think. Some of yeah. the best. So those drone scenes. Uh, spoiler alert. Yes. Uh, the drone scenes uh, with uh, the especially in the last scene when it's sort of phasing in and out. Was, yes was some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. Starting off with those illusions sort of almost with a psychedelic supernatural effect and then kind of blending them with reality and then bringing it to reality by the end of it was just... So overall, you liked it? Highly entertaining. Oh, yeah. So overall, you really liked it? You loved it? Yeah, I'll say if I got to give it out of five stars, (laughs) I could give it maybe... I'll give it a... uh, Four. Right, I'll, I'll be generous. Yeah. <laughs> Out of twenty-three films, would you say it makes it top ten for you? Top ten. Oh wow, twenty-three films. Uh, <laughs> just go through them all. Go through them all. It's okay. Not to say you need a full list. I I'm haven't rewatched. Saying, is it a in lot the upper half? Yeah. Yeah, this would be up probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, All right. Sure. So, Ian, what did you think of uh, Spider-Man? Well, Far here we go. Home. I mean, let's. I'm just gonna get right <laughs> to the point. There. I was blown away. Um, I Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Mike touched on it. It was one of his favorites from his childhood, and he'll go into oh, detail cool. mm-hmm. about his love for this villain. But uh, and let's be real, we're in spoiler territory. This call it a spade a spade. He's a villain. Mm. He's ready to, you know, take yeah, the world you, over like, for himself. Do you think they tried to play it like they tried to actually make people think that he was going to be a hero? Like, because the ads and stuff, or everyone knew, right? Like, you knew he was going to be. You a know villain, what? Right? Yes, yeah, because I because I know Mysterio, but at right. the same time, if you don't know Mysterio, you think those you're thinking there's you? something yeah. else yeah. behind it. I, um, yeah, the commercials I think do a very good job of keeping it ambiguous right. enough, okay. or at least saying like, "Well, because he's talking to Spider Man, they're yeah. having a good conversation in the in the trailers." Yeah, he must be. A I'm good just wondering guy. how yeah, that yeah. how that review or that twist would work for people not like us who are like you know deep into the Spider Man. Well, yeah, and you know they do show the elementals, and you know if you're familiar with Spider Man at all, you could be going, "Oh, is Hydro Man in this movie? Mm-hmm. Sandman is yeah. Molten Man in this movie?" But uh, so they, that does take away the attention from Mysterio from the trailers mm-hmm. perspective. But I think Sony really impressed me because th- you know they haven't been putting out the best trailers. A lot of Hollywood trailers these days will show you the entire movie, mm-hmm. and I thought I thought their marketing campaign, uh, especially given the constraints from Endgame being so close, like piggybacking off Endgame, they did a. A wonderful job of not spoiling Endgame, even when the trailer came out before the movie. But then once Endgame was out there for everyone, they had another trailer that kind of showed you this is going to be directly following Endgame. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought their their marketing for it was great. I mean, yes, if you're familiar with the property, you're you're you know Mysterio is going to be a bad guy. Yeah. But at the same time, there was enough. So I was thinking about this because Homecoming did such a great job with its villain. Um, it did, yes, yeah. you know that he's a villain, but there's still a huge shocker towards the third act mm-hmm, that that's right. even though I could tell you what the three acts are from the, the trailer, and let's be honest, I don't have the willpower to avoid the trailer, <laughs> so you better get better with your trailers. I think they have done that. But at the same time, when that twist comes, you're like, it doesn't even matter that you've kind of seen a bunch of stuff in the trailer because it's so it's executed masterfully. And that's kind of where they lean into it with Far From Home is they know that you're going to come to this conclusion. And that's why it's sort of early on, maybe halfway through the movie, when they when they really start to tease that he's, uh, you know, there's more to this mm. this character. But Jake Gyllenhaal, 
that is a, a role that could have fallen flat. It could have made or break the movie, and he killed it, in my opinion. He crushed yeah. it as Mysterio. Oh, so. he was fantastic. Yeah. All right, so you loved it, obviously, right? Yep, it's okay. in my top five currently. Oh, wow, nice. that's really Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction. We'll stay there in five months. Let's yeah, say. let's say. <laughs> Honestly, like, we we'll have, you know, you have Inve- Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. Both movies are impossible feats. Like, before you actually see them in theater, you're like, how are they going to pull this off? Yeah. Now you're closing out the saga with 23 films, and Far From Home is another one where you look at it and the material they're trying to juggle being a sequel to homecoming also carrying forward the mcu and getting ready for its next phase but also acting as an epilogue to yes. uh, to endgame and all right and, all right so uh, aftermath. guys okay i'll get into my thoughts then um i loved it this is one of my favorite spider-man movies uh you know scott you brought it up it feels like coming of age movie and these these new um spider-man movies they're very much like john hughes movies mm. set in high school and they have that like feel to them which is just awesome it's so smart to do a spider-man movie in that vein and the one reason I love this Spider-Man movie is because it gets the, the character so right. And the way I like my Spider-Man is how he's done in this movie, which is he's balancing being a hero while also, like, uh, tackling everyday things and trying to, like, just be a kid and enjoy his vacation. Yeah. That's when Spider-Man, that's what puts Spider-Man apart from the other heroes. Like, when he came along, that's why so many people identified with Spider-Man. Because Stanley wrote a character that wasn't like Batman, who was, like, a billionaire or... Superman, who's an alien, you can't identify with them, right? He's the character that you can identify with, which is why so many kids latch on to Spider-Man. So just to do a movie like that and stay so true to the character is the reason I love the Spider-Man movies and why I didn't really like the Andrew Garfield ones. Uh, what they did with Mysterio, I, I love. So if you're familiar with Mysterio and if you're familiar with the, the comic book, the Spider-Man issue 13, uh, how he's introduced, you'll know what his arc is like in this movie and even the cartoon episode, right? And yes. so when, in, that, in that issue, that Stanley and uh, Steve Ditko itch, issue, uh, Mysterio starts pretending to be a hero. Mm. That's straight from the comic book. And yes. then he frames Spider-Man. And then he gets outed, and he's, and, and he gets outed as, a, as a villain. And so they did that, but they made it fit the MCU. Yes. Right? Which is so awesome. Yeah, they did awesome. that to a T, basically. Yeah, they did it to a T. It really basically. is incredible. So, so they, they Yeah, so they like took that, his, his arc or the bones of the story and made it fit. You know, they changed, the, they changed it to fit the MCU because it's more like... It's more there's more high tech in the MCU, you know. In the in the comic book, he's a he's a movie special artist guy, and yeah. that's how he gets his effects. But now we live in this world in the MCU where there's like holograms and stuff. And the way they explained his powers was they tied it back to a scene in Civil War. Oh man, where uh, Iron Man had invented had invented this barf technology, and he's he turns out he's which is holographic technology. Turns out Jake Gyllenhaal or um, what's his name. Uh, Mysterio. Quentin Beck. Quentin Beck is the one that invented that technology. Oh, fantastic. Uh, honestly, and so that's how he origin creates his story for oh, Mysterio is... I know they did the flashback. They didn't know he was going to play Mysterio at that point. No, so no, that was like added in. But it's yeah, one of those things that... Retcon, I didn't right? go back and But it's also one of those things that feels like it fits. Like, it, they, I don't know, the MCU has more and more, especially recently, they have this ability to, like you said, make it fit into what oh, they've already, so per- the so, world that they've already built. So you're going to do Mysterio and it's it just fits so seamlessly in, like with the tech and they've already shown it in a previous movie so you're introduced and so you un- you get it right away, mm-hmm. right? And introduce, introduce him as a hero and then that turn, like I said, so that was great. And, ov- and also, dial it back even further, like this is the end of the Infinity Saga. Go back to the first Iron Man. You've got uh, the guy... Tony Stark was able yes. to build this in yes. a cave and, uh, with a bunch of scraps. Yeah. And and the thing in the uh, what I also want to mention, if you've seen like the episode of the, the issue, the thing that turns him into a villain is he's like a disgruntled employee who gets fired. 
which is also his origin in here. Yeah. And so he's a disgruntled employee, but of, of Tony Stark, yeah. right? And so um, that's what turns him evil. And it's almost like the syndrome thing from Incredibles. What turns him evil is his desire to be be liked or be a hero. Yeah. Like he wants to be a hero so badly that that he goes across the line to do yeah. it. And that, that that's just a great like motivation for a villain. I love how they made the fishbowl helmet like in his like uh, costume, which is like they made the costume from the comic, which was like incredible to see that costume on the screen. Mm. But they also made the fishbowl helmet work in a practical sense, which oh, is man. that's how he just that's how he. Uh, Controlled the drones. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it mirrors sort of the Iron Spider and Iron Man's costumes in a way. Yes. Um, you can look back at Iron Man and say, well, this is a great character, Mysterio, because it's literally imagine Quentin Beck as an evil version of Tony Stark. Right. And there you go. He doesn't have any powers. He just mm-hmm. has his intellect yeah. and he has his knowledge of the technology. Yeah. So he just uses that to his advantage and yeah. he fools the world, essentially. Yeah. And uh, the, other, the other thing was how, how Spider Man in that issue beats Mysterio is he uses his spider sense to like find that his way through great. the illusions. That was well done. Which is how he won, which is how well he beat done. Mysterio. So yeah. like for me, this movie was everything I ever could have wanted from yeah. a Mysterio, <laughs> from a Mysterio being in a movie and from a Spider-Man movie. They nailed it. The st- stuff with Mary Jane, I love, or oh, MJ. Man. The chemistry between those two. Oh, yeah, MJ was great. great. I like this sort of new iteration of her that's sort of this dark. Yeah. She's yeah. not really goth, but she's just sort of a, a dark sort of weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, she, and like her backstory, if you if you know the comic, like I just read this one, like her backstory in the comic is pretty tragic. So like she's a pretty tragic character, like like usually. Mm. So like they just made her a bit, yeah, a bit more like. In the first Spider-Man with Spider-Man. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I Spider-Man. With, uh, with uh, Tobey Maguire. Toby Maguire. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Kirsten Dunst yeah. had that sort of yeah. tragic. They actually mm-hmm. did sort of push that a little bit mm-hmm. with her parents that were always fighting and yeah. screaming at each other. Yeah, she's other. always got a bit of a tragic yeah. background. So I loved it for me. I liked it a bit better than um, uh, Homecoming just yes. because of the because of the things I've said. I, you know, I've been going on and on and on about it. But uh, I also thought the element, elementals were cool. And then I knew the twist was coming that he was going to be a bad guy because I was familiar with his arc and his story. But then the elementals were um, Hydro Man, yes. Sandman, Molten Man, yeah. and a Cyclone, which is like a like a like a minor minor bad right. guy. But so those are actually four. So those are the four MCU versions of those bad guys. So that's a great nod to the comic books too. Nice. And I, I love really how like there's there even threw in us. It was like a throwaway line. It was almost like a rumor about Hydro Man, where it's it almost seems like Shield has files on people that they think that that could have been. Yeah, yeah, no, you yeah. know what I mean. And, and that was like, the that was Hydro Man. That was his right. name. So um, it's like, yeah. So they're they're even saying that there are people out there. This is possible, but it's they're like, going yeah. deep. Like they're yeah. giving yeah. the people who know the know the stories, know the comic books, to give mm-hmm. them like mm-hmm. everything they want, even in the tiniest details. Yeah, yeah. Time. And uh, what you said, Ian, was like this was the perfect ending for Tony Stark's story. And I'll tell you why. I love this as any Tony Stark story because in these uh, Spider-Man um, movies, the Homecoming in this one, there is no Uncle Ben. Right. Right. So there's uh, like S- Uncle Ben is so key and crucial to the Spider-Man character. And I was even re- I was just reading old Spider-Man comics last night even, and then there was a line that he says, and he says, um, you know, the reason he tells he's talking Black Cat, he tells her the story of Uncle Ben and why he's a hero because he let he let you know you're familiar with the story, right? He yeah, let yeah. someone go and then that kills his uncle, and he says. You know, no matter how, how many good I do, no matter how many lives I save, like, it still doesn't bring back my uncle. Mm. Right? And yeah. that's what drives him, yeah. is that guilt. And in this uh, MCU version of Uncle Ben, but Tony Stark is the Uncle Ben surrogate. Yes, 100%. Yes. So that, so you don't need Uncle Ben because you have the Tony Stark surrogate. So that's just, I yeah. love that. And so the legacy of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man will live on in the MCU through Spider-Man. Mm. So I love that. And they're not closing doors to his origin per se. They're just sort of avoiding retreading, yeah. you know, familiar territory. Look who's here. Yeah. Wow. 
We have a new I'm just challenger. I'm on the podcast for four seconds. Uh, Mike, I love you. I'm sorry Dave is not here either. Dave hoping, is here. He's somewhere around well, here. Well, he's not around right now, but I can't <laughs> wait to catch up with you on another podcast episode. Yes, we have to make that happen. There you go, Carl. You still, <laughs> you still made an appearance. That's great, man. That's awesome. There right, you so, have it. Yeah. So there you go. Carl, Carl made it for a little bit of the podcast. That's awesome. Just as I was getting really emotional with Spider-Man, too. Uh, well, <laughs> Carl also joined in on our Pixar discussion uh, unexpectedly, yeah. and it was fantastic. Yeah. Nice. So those are my thoughts with Spider-Man. Yeah, it's five out of five for me. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Five out of five for uh, sure. Uh, what I said was it, like it made this lifelong Spider-Man ha- fan like so so happy. And that's it. the thing. It was able to, I think, satisfy a large chunk of Spider-Man fans while still appealing to the general audience and the audience that is familiar with the MCU. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, it, it just did so many things and it, it could have failed in so many ways, but I think that overall, uh, more than positive experience. Yeah. And then we haven't even touched on any of the post-credit or even mid-credit Oh, yeah, so what did you think sequences. of the post-credit or uh, mid-credit So let's, let's start with the mid-credit sequence, okay. which is kind of part of the ending of the movie. I would say if you're, like, you're, you've already seen it if you're listening to this, hopefully, but you definitely wanted to stick around at least until those um, animated credits are finished and then you get a sequence where he's back in New York and we've got Spidey in full swing. And he's got, um, you know, Zendaya's MJ at his side swinging through the city. And then what happens after you think you've gotten a happy ending (laughs) to Far From Home? Well, we get a visit from, uh, I would say, an internet mogul at this point, (laughs) like an internet journalist. Mm. He kind of reminds me of like a, like a kind of like a right leaning, like YouTuber. Right. Bill O'Reilly type of thing. And Shades of Spider Man for PS4 in that, um, you know, we had. Right. I'll just say it right here. J. Jonah Jameson mm-hmm. uh, has now entered the MCU and in spectacular fashion. I mean, who do we have but J.K. Simmons? Yes. Is that his name? Yeah. Yep. So we, they brought we him all back to do it. Because, as again, with no one that else voice, <laughs> no one else is going to do it. Well, we were talking about Kevin Conroy, how he kind of like yep. continues his Bruce Wayne legacy from property to property. We've got someone that did it for the first time on the big screen with Spider Man the whole trilogy with Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. And he's also, is he not the voice in the PS4 version? Doing yeah, the he voice voices overs? him like in a few yes. things. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's definitive definitely oh, the yeah. definitive JJJ. Yeah. And I love how the MCU, Kevin Feige, whoever made that happen, was able to embrace that as, mm-hmm. rather than shy away from you it. You know, because it would confuse some people. Because it did yes. confuse my wife. And she's like, wait, what do you mean? What? what? But so I will say the it. trademark sort of box cut military Yeah, they, they changed though. his hair. <laughs> that's that's how you know. They kept him bald. They gave him hair on the sides. But they actually made it. They kept him bald and they gave him the mustache and yeah. the c- did he have the cigar in his mouth? I don't know but it seemed like I mean, he, sh- it he, seemed like he did yeah. if he I'll, didn't he did yeah, in my head <laughs> but I'll say it here you know like he definitely okay so he's coming in hot um, if you don't sort of know what was happening with Mysterio is he's presumed dead and probably still is yeah, but I think for sure. um, he has this he, you know you saw what was his name from Iron Man uh, I think it was William or I can't remember the character's right. name, but he stole the footage from the laptop. You see that at the end of the movie, and he's now doctored it to make it seem... And uh, Quentin Beck, before he um, passes, he actually makes a statement to, in sort of a viral fashion to out 
Peter Parker as Spider-Man to the rest of the world. While he's standing and he's saying, presumably in Times <laughs> in the Square. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying Middle that of the he's day the with true thousands villain. of people around. Yeah. Hey, there's Spider-Man. Oh, this guy says Spider-Man <laughs> is Peter Parker. Oh, and yeah, that face. Oh, what an He's ending. got the mask on, but you can still see the yeah. expression. Oh, God. Yeah. And yeah. so that That's coupled awesome. with uh, JJJ's introduction is just oh. an incredible way to sort of keep everyone on the edge of their seat, even uh, post credits. What's with this, MCU yeah, and like cliffhangers now? I eh? know. They're like in the cliffhanger but business. Some of the best post-credit scenes (laughs) I've seen yet. And then we have the after the credits, which a lot of the times, if you get a really good mid-credits sequence, it's just sort of a throwaway gag. Yeah, those after the credit ones. You know, eating shawarma, which a lot of people love, but uh, some people just look at it as, like, I didn't need to stick around for that. You absolutely need to stick around in the theater for this one. It is, uh, well, I'll let Mike explain this one. Yeah, so it's it's um, Nick Fury and, and Maria uh, Hill, Maria Hill, and they, it turns out that they're Skrulls, but they're Skrulls that we've seen before in another movie, Captain Marvel. So they're Tal- uh, Talos, Talos, and his wife, and his wife, right? And so it turns out that oh, we didn't even talk about Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury. Great job! Oh, oh yeah, awesome. He's like the only Nick Fury. I can and imagine, it's though. basically <laughs> telling you that the Nick Fury and Maria Hill that you saw in Far From Home yeah, were, were actually were Talos. Yeah, and it brings me back to Endgame in a way because there was that rumor going around that Ben Mendelsohn was in the final shot yeah. and it kind of looked like him and I, I mentioned yeah. to you the last time we saw it and I was like, you know what? It looks kind of like him and but I it's not it definitive. Yeah. I wonder if that's an intentional tease that his existence being the character from uh, Captain Marvel being still and so around. so what do you think that means? Like for me, a lot of people are reading online, people think it's Civil War but I don't think that, or not Civil War, Secret Invasion which is a comic book storyline where the Skrulls like secretly invade Earth by replacing mm-hmm. heroes. I don't think that's what it is because it seems like they're working with Nick Fury yes. and he's like, Nick Fury's sort of like on vacation. He doesn't want to like put up with all the bull crap of being Nick Fury. So he sends these scrolls out and it's like, it's perfect because Mysterio pulled one over Nick Fury and that would never happen. So it's great that it ends up being a scroll like Talos because it's like, it makes sense why he was able to fool Nick Fury because yeah. it wasn't actually the real Nick Fury. Uh, that's I a think, fun yeah. take on Fury. Um, I do have a bit of a different take. Okay, on let's that hear one. it. But I'm thinking they show you uh, when they actually pan to. I guess, real Nick Fury. Um, And there's something to be said for the comics where he has a lot of life model decoys. I think in this case, they're using the Skrulls instead of uh, robots to do his bidding. I was thinking that too, yeah. But uh, it looks like it's shades of Tahiti, Phil Coulson, and he's kind of relaxing. But I think that that's just his way of, he's, you know, stuck out in space. He's trying to stay grounded. But I don't think Fury is the type that take a day off. I think he's actually constantly pushing forward, looking for the next big threat. He's out there in the cosmos. He can't be uh, stuck to Earth after what he's seen from, you know, Endgame and and whatnot. So he's out there uh, pushing forward the defense initiative, uh, probably working with Captain Marvel and the Skrulls and all this. And he's got people doing his work on Earth so that his presence is not uh, missed. So I think he's actually working on bigger things that we're going to see in the next phase. Yeah, because I said he he was on vacation. But yeah, you're probably right. He's He's probably doing something, right? Nick Fury... Nick Fury's not. He's always up to something. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's seen what's out there. He, yeah, he's up to something. Yeah, and you're right. Okay. He has a certain edge in Far From Home, which he's always got an edge, but it kind of makes more sense when you find out that it's yeah. Talos because Talos has a bit of a a brute force to yeah. him. They shoot into space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's that great. I and, I and he said Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel, and he said, "Don't say her name." He got like real serious, and then and then that makes sense. Okay, so. I guess uh, we'll end the Spider-Man talk there, unless you guys have any final words to say. I agree. You agree? Okay. Well, <laughs> I just have one more tag that I would I would want to discuss that people's concerns about this iteration of Spider-Man uh, have a lot to do with how different it was. You touched on it, Mike, how you were saying there's no Uncle Ben and this mm-hmm. and that. 
But the MCU had to avoid certain uh, similarities to the other iterations of Spider-Man, and they filled that void with Tony Stark, like you said. Um, Now we've got this iteration of JJJ where he's not so much uh, working for... You know, a newspaper, which is kind of a, a, a dead sort of, form. They brought and, the character forward to 2019. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And, like and you, now I think you can explore some other sides to JJJ from the comics going forward in the MCU, where now you have this conflict between Peter and JJJ, which was instigated by, well, Mysterio, but also JJJ himself mm-hmm. by saying, you know, He's outing this Spider-Man as a villain, and all of a sudden... Oh, because he's going to have a lot more influence now that... It, I mean, with the yeah. internet and with news, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is yeah. It's just, that takes over everything, yeah. right? But Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. Just, it's like, um, you, can, you can make changes, but you just have to get the core of the character right, which they do. Yeah, right? and that's, that's the coolest thing about Far From Home in that, yes, with Homecoming, one of the biggest complaints was, oh, he's got all this tech, he has to rely on Tony Stark, like, it's not a true, like, he's not truly independent, but then you bring it back, and after Endgame, he, Peter Parker's been through the ringer, now he doesn't have Tony Stark, now he's got to do it on his own, and, uh, you know, he has tech available to him, but even in the modern iterations of Spider-Man, that is the case. He is a scientist, he yeah, is Yeah, I know what you're saying, like, I don't, yeah... I, I don't want to get into because I'm not a fan of the like tech Spider Man like how he's like almost like has an Iron Man suit like I'm but really not a fan of that. Back a little bit, but they always seem to get him out of his tech suits for long parts of the movie. And I think mm. that's on purpose because he's not Iron Man. He's Spider Man. He's supposed to be ground level. I love him. It's just him and a rubber suit and his web shooters and his yeah. spider sense and his wit and that's it, right? And that's what I want to see. And they they do that. They they always separate him from his suit. And the other scene, the other beautiful scene was. Um, you know, Tony Stark leaves him the thing. Tony Stark wants him to be the hero, and then he's changing his suit and he's using the AR technology, and he's doing exactly like Tony used to do. That's Happy right. just well, looks at yeah, him. You got that that sense when Happy looked at yeah, him. Yeah, like, that was great. It's like old times. Yeah, that <laughs> was great. And John Favreau like, is something yeah. else. Okay, yeah. so there we go. Good? There we go. All right, go so that's David. our thoughts. Let's go find Dave. We went on a bit long, I think, on Spider Man as we do, but uh, probably my fault. But uh, so thanks everyone. I guess I'll. I don't know how to turn this off. You gonna be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work. Because I am going on vacation.